So we are here at the Audio Branding Congress 2011, and beside me is Martin Ware, our keynote speaker. Hey. And Martin Ware is super talented. <laughs> He's from Illustrious, he owns Sonic ID, You've found it, you're the founder of Heaven 17, Human League, yeah. you're part of the future of sound. Yeah. Um, tell me what it feels like to be here. Um, I love New York, I've been here many, many times over, over the years. Uh, mainly as a record producer, actually, and uh, over the last 10 years, doing a lot of sound projects in New York. And now, the chance to work with Audio Branding Congress has been uh, irresistible. Yeah? Yeah, get me, fly me over here, I've got lots of friends here, so it's great. So you've worked with some amazing artists, like mm -hmm. Tina Turner, mm -hmm. Human League, Terrence, uh, Terrence Trent Darby. Yeah. Tell me what that's been like for you. Well, I've been a producer for 30 years, so they're just the three most successful, really. Um, I've always been a producer for third parties, you know, for other artists, as well as doing my own stuff. So, and I've worked with some of the best singers in the world, you know. I'm, I'm very, very lucky. I suppose made my own luck. Um, but I realised around about 2000 that uh, the world of production was getting less... There was less money in it. Mm -hmm put it bluntly, unless you were willing to do the X-Factor thing and all that, which I wasn't. Um, so I, I uh, decided to get back to what really uh, made me excited about the music industry in the first place, or being involved in music, which was the creative side of it. So I thought, I've always been a kind of future-facing kind of person. Um, that's when I formed Illustrious with Vince Clark from Eurasia uh, to uh, create three-dimensional immersive soundscapes using a piece of software called 3D Audioscape, which we co-designed. Amazing. So tell me your most memorable project, or the most fulfilling oh, that you've wow. worked on. Um, I would say I did three projects for the Royal Ballet in London, uh, where one of them in particular called On Public Dis Display with a, uh, a choreographer called Vanessa Fenton. And we had, um, I think it was 22 Royal Ballet dancers on, on a huge stage. Uh, it was about Petrushka and um, uh, the famous story, the Shostakovich uh, opera with some Shostakovich music, and we blended it with our electronic music. And um, that, I think, was the most exciting, because that was in three-dimensional sound, and we had things like um, the sounds of uh, uh, the fairground going around the auditorium like horses in three-dimensional sound, and, uh, and composing the entire suite of music for the Royal Ballet, which is, you know, one of the world's top three ballet companies with the best dancers in the world, where you actually get to go into their archives, you know, with, with actually, you know, it's a world premiere. So you get, you get to, you get in this beautiful handwritten book together with Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, and to me, that's, I mean, I've done lots and lots of live performing. I've done some amazing works. Um, immersive works, the one in Mexico City, the um, Sound Oasis piece, 24 hours of content, 12 two-hour pieces with different artists, three-dimensional sound, 28.10 speakers, uh, 150 square meter um, area, plus, and it's 28 meters high. Yeah. I mean, this is a big mofo thing, right? Yeah. So uh, we were having people, there was a 24-hour schedule, so you could go and see your favorite artist at different times of the day, and there were people turning up at four in the morning to hear a two-hour piece. Uh, might be all crazy, they don't go to sleep in Mexico <laughs> City, but you know, it, it, this kind of thing, 
that was an artistically driven uh, thing where artists were engaged to do it. We did a similar thing in London with Sound Life London, uh, which was in the Leicester Square Gardens, covering the entire Leicester Square Gardens, with uh, uh, 16 huge PA speakers, which was in for two weeks, uh, played to two million people. I mean, these that are big figures. Amazing. These I are wish big I figures. It took six months to put it together. We had we had uh, uh, youth clubs and reminiscence groups and ethnic associations and. Um, uh, uh, all kinds of community groups. Yeah. We gave them recording devices and said, "What is your? What do you?" We did a bit of coaching. We said, "Go out into your community. Go out into the city. Think about what is unique about London and how it sounds, and bring back your recordings." And then we harvest the recordings. They get to keep the recording devices, and then we incorporate it into a big three-dimensional swirling. Amazing oh, piece. Yeah. It sounds like you, it was an organic process. Yeah, no, well. it's, it's incredible. And how, how long does something like that take to to plan to and complete? manifest? Yes, um, that took six to nine months. Wow. Um, not, I mean, it's not the only project I was working of on, course. but that's over that period of time. And the actual installation was two weeks. Um, I'd say in. If you compress that time scale, you could probably do it in two to three months. Amazing. What do you think are some of the challenges today that people face with audio branding and the problems um, in terms of... I've got a bit of a bugbear, actually. I think people should regard... shouldn't be so apologetic about creativity. You know, we should be standing up for our, our, uh, our rights of value for for the creative work that we do. I mean, I do, with another hat on, I, I actually lobby for artist rights in copyright with the EU, and, um, for instance. Because I think this is all, in, it's all part of the same thing. Absolutely. There's a, there's a big issue about how much is sound worth. Since the decline of the value of, perceived value of music, in inverted commas, yeah. i.e. popular music, it's a contagion that has, that has moved into sound branding somehow. It's like, well, you know, everybody's giving CDs away on the front of magazines and, you know, it's not worth anything. Music's not worth anything. We can get it from, you know, we don't need to spend $100,000 on designing a, a suite of Sonic uh, logos. We can get uh, this intern to do it, who's a DJ. It's so sad. Uh, but this is yeah. what actually what happens. <sighs> I call it the Bing Bang Bong complex. You know, it's like you end up with meeting upon meeting and they all want... They all understand the issues involved, but it always ends up with bing, bang, bong, mm -hmm. if they're not careful, not thoroughly researched, not thoroughly integrated with their approach. What do you think is the future of mobile communication? Oh, right. Where, how do you see it evolving and changing over the next 10 years, let's say? Wow, that's a big question. Um, this is where I think sound comes back into it quite a lot. I mean, we're looking at um, a proliferation of um, mobile devices, <coughs> but also faster and faster broadband speeds, more and more wireless access. I mean, they're already talking about, I think Nokia are going to install um, universal Wi-Fi access for free throughout London. That's uh, uh, they're doing a pilot scheme shortly and then they're going to do it, roll it out in a couple of years. You know, so how does that change our world of consumption? You know. I can't believe that they still think that um, in, the, in this future world where we have access, streaming access to just about everything, 
that there's not going to be more of a perceived value of sound because that's the main means of delivery. For me, if you're wearing headphones, you'll be wearing wireless headphones, presumably. Uh, maybe you'll even be wearing headphones that don't need a mobile device that can actually just tap into this, you know, the kind of um, the stuff that's been delivered automatically via Wi-Fi. There's all sorts of possibilities. Amazing. And, and so I don't think we should restrict our, our thought processes to how stuff is being delivered now. I think we're in the, we're in the death throes of, an, uh, of the traditional music industry. It's no longer cost of how you deliver these things because everybody's going to have access to cheaper and cheaper mobile technology, faster and faster broadband speeds. Until, it, uh, in the words of the great Arthur C. Clarke, any technology that's sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. And I think we are approaching the point of magic. And I think sound and uh, in a broader sense, the, the, the sensory world is, is where it's all going. What part do you want to have in that magic? No, I want to be the ringmaster. <laughs> I want to be the guy with the top hat and all that stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much for being part of this audio brand of Congress. Thanks, all right. Thank you.